Thank you so much, Pastor Josh and Pastor Leah and the people in charge of this church for giving me the opportunity to be able to speak to you, share my testimony. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, what I have to say, will touch someone's heart, if not all, about what I'm going to speak of. If you want to know what the Royal Rangers is, it is a program ministry that has been around since in the 60s. Uh, there are people in different denominations who have this program ministry. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you. I uh, asked Pastor Josh this morning if he had his Bible. He's got it in his hand. And I asked Pastor Leah if she had her Bible, and she said, I noticed a minute ago, she does have her Bible. And I will explain to you in a minute uh, exactly uh, how my life has went. I'm 83 years old, so God has blessed me in a way that is just unbelievable. And I get emotional sometimes. As we were singing, you are worthy, it, it just dawned on me how precious it is that we can stand before God and sing. You were talking about the angels singing it. But God gives us an opportunity to say, you are worthy, God. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Holy Spirit. And it breaks me down when I think about God in my life and what he's done for me. We come down here a couple of years ago because my daughter uh, wanted me and my wife to come and live with her uh, the latter part of our lives. She wanted to open her house to, uh, to us and uh, her, her two sons have gone on to college and she opened uh, a floor open to, is open to us to uh, live and enjoy life. When we got down here, we start looking for churches to go to. We belong, I belonged to one denomination for 45 years, but we started looking for places where we could go worship the Lord, and we weren't happy. One day she says, I found this church on the internet. It's called the Vineyard. I'll tell you, I had never heard of the Vineyard before in my life. I had no idea about it. <laughs> Um, so we come down, and uh, one of the first things that we really noticed was the outpouring of love, people who greeted us. That was the first thing. And then when Josh took the pulpit, I was even more pleased because the words of God that come through him to me as a, uh, uh, in the audience it set, it set down in my heart. It set deep. So we said, okay, let, let, let's wait. Let's, let's just wait. So a couple of weeks later, uh, we decided, let's go back. And I think at that time, it was the other pastor that's in this church. And, and I will tell you, I have heard a lot of female pastors speak but that was the one that really settled us in on this church. So um, 
that is why we are here. We love you. you you're not the denomination that we uh, were used to, but this is our home church now, no matter what. Even, even if I was to be able to continue the work of the Royal Rangers, this is our home church. So, and another thing, it's only about five miles away from here. That helps. Another thing is also is that the Holy Spirit touches you and, and, and places you people uh, to people who you just don't understand how it happened. One of the things I want to make sure that you understand about me up here is it's not Cliff Jewel. It is the Holy Spirit guiding and directing and helping me to the place where I'm at. There, it, I would not come up here if I thought for one minute that I was coming up here to brag about what I've done. I give the Holy Spirit complete power, the one that given me the power to be able to speak and do things. I was, uh, in 1943, I was uh, five years old. There was a woman that come by and picked, it, picked me up every Sunday to go to church. Her name was Rosie. Remember that name. It's important. Her name was Rosie. She was my aunt. And I can still see that old Chevrolet car because they let me sit in the middle of them and their children were in the back seat. I'm sure they may have been a little bit jealous, but not. Uh, and it had one of them speedometers that went around like this as, as you went down the road, if you remember. So, so she, uh, she would pick me up, and through her picking me up, my mother and father got saved and started going to church. So th that in itself, there, there's a miracle. That's how God used me. Through me, my mom and dad got saved. Now, around about the age of 13, uh, praying and at the altar, I, I, I prayed and I prayed, and the Holy Spirit come upon me. He gave me tongues at the age of 13, and he called me into the ministry at the age of 13. And I continued and then when I got about 16 years old, I rebelled. I rebelled against everything that I had been taught. I turned my back on God and left the church. Now we're going to stop right there. And we're going to let that be like a void. I'm not going to speak about it. Because I don't like to speak about things that... I did at that time. In 1975, there came what I call the second chance. There was a knock on the door, and I went to the door, and there was a man standing there that was a, a worked for the post office. His name was Ray Decker, who became later on became my mentor in the local and state jail ministry. He taught me 
the, the finer works of how to talk to prisoners. In 1976, when I was working in the bus ministry, uh, I, I, I went back to church. Uh, me and my wife, we talked about it. We took our kids. We said our kids need, even though we weren't serving the Lord, our kids to near, need to near the word of the Lord in a Sunday school class. During that time, I think it was the second time, my wife and I, she accepted Christ into our life, and I rededicated my life to Christ. Now, it's a long period of time in there, in between, a long period of time. We walked down the aisle, we kneeled, she accepted Christ, and I rededicated. Now, let me say this. I want to recognize my wife. She says, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we are going to be uh, celebrating our uh, 59th wedding anniversary coming up. And I'm going to tell you what, there's God, there's Jesus, there's a Holy Spirit, and then there's Nancy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to tell you this also, uh, as you, I, I worked with a man that was somewhat older than I was, and he would always say, Cliff, man, my memory is fading. And I said, oh, come on, come on, Donald. You're doing well. He says, no, I'm telling you, as you get older, this happens. Well, I have found out that what he was telling me was the truth. <laughs> and my memory has begun to slow down. Matter of fact, it goes into the rest area every now and then and stays there. But don't be alarmed. Me and my wife have worked this out. If I go into a stance when I were at, while I'm talking to you guys that I do this, do not be concerned. You will either hear a <laughs> clap, clap, clap for her, and if that doesn't work, she's going to politely get up and come down, get my by the arm, and lead me back to where I'm sitting. <laughs> now, the reason I asked Josh this morning if he had his Bible and Pastor Leah, if she had her Bible, is because I have a plan, myself speaking, and then there's an A and B plan. A plan is optional. If she leads me down, Josh is here with his Bible. <laughs> C is Pastor Leah is here with her Bible. So you do not be, have to be afraid that you won't hear something about the Word of God this morning. <laughs> the pastor, <laughs> we, when we were working, when I was working in the bus ministry, and this is an important factor too, my time that I worked in the bus, bus ministry, we would come in on a Saturday, we'd wash the bus, we'd clean the seats out and everything out, make sure it was clean, because on a Sunday morning, we would go out in the community, and we had bus routes. And my route took me into a community where I met a young boy. He was about nine years old, and his name was Robert Ballard. 
don't forget that name. So over a period of time, I would get calls from Robert's grandmother. They are not treating Robert right. They make fun of him. They, make, they push him around at school. Mr. Jewell, is there anything you can do about that? And I said, well, let me talk to Robert. So I would talk to Robert. He's nine years old. And he, his family, they were, you might say they were dirt poor. You've heard that saying before. The, she had three children. She was doing her best to make things meet. And, and life was not good. But I would talk to Robert. And I would encourage him, don't give up, Robert, don't give up. And I would pick him up and bring him to church. And as later on, when he got into his teens, when he could drive, he came to church. Robert Ballard. So the pastor came to me and he said, Cliff, I want you to start a new ministry. I want you and Rick to start a new ministry in the church. It's in a program form. He says, I want you to get to training, and I want you to start this ministry. That was in 1976. That's when I put on this uniform. This was the uniform that they had for you. And uh, all of the stuff on the uniform, it was just a plain uniform. The things you had to do. First of all, I had to have uh, a report where the police checked me and my wife out. We had to go through that. And then you had to get certified to be able to uh, teach Red Cross, which we didn't have, we didn't have certification to teach the uh, CPR and safety of Red Cross. So my wife and I saw that the, saw the need, so we went to the Red Cross and we took the education factor to be able to teach the Red Cross to the boys and to the church people. It opened it up for, so the church people could go. I also, while I was with, dealing with the Red Cross, I l took the lessons on how to teach basic swimming, and I was a whitewater canoe instructor for s about eight years, I think it was. I've shot many a river, and when they say shoot, it's when you get in. One time, real quick, one time my wife, my wife and I were going down to North Shenandoah, the church was going down to North Shenandoah, and they said, you want to go? And I said to my wife, and I said, yeah, let's go, let's go. That's going to be great canoe trip. So we went there. Don't worry, honey. I'm a, I'm a canoe instructor. You have nothing to worry about. I'm telling you, this is a fact. We had not gone a half of a mile. Little old tiny, <laughs> like tip, and that canoe not didn't go down like that it went sideways do you know what happened when a canoe goes sideways <laughs> and it was chilly and the wind got up and we i didn't think about bringing an extra shirt or anything like that so here we're going down the river with a canoe and i can tell you right now there was one unhappy camper in that canoe <laughs> So we went a little bit further. We kind of dried off, and we go down, and I see a class three. A class three, that's when its rapids are really rolling along. I said, honey, let's, let's go through this. Let's go through this, please. Let's go through this three. I said, I have never went through a three on this, and, and it was on the uh, Shenandoah River, which run into the Potomac River. And uh, 
Okay, okay. And we're going down in the middle of this class three. What I don't see is what they call a haystack. If you know anything about canoeing, it was a haystack. And that's where a large rock comes up out of the water, pointed like that, and the water going, to, going against it piles back up so you can't see the rock. And I'm going down there, and I was giving it everything I had, and that canoe hit that rock. And the last thing I saw is the tip of it going up like that and my wife going over the side. I come up looking for her, and when I brought my knee up, it paralyzed me on my right side. The cold water and hitting that rock. I can't get to my wife. There she is over there. We had to be rescued. So if you could probably give my wife $100,000 now to get in the canoe, <laughs> and she wouldn't do it. A second chance. God give me a second chance. The pastor come to me and said, I want to I want you to get this program started. I want you to get educated on what you need to do to get it started. If I told you that I have been involved with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of boys, would you believe me? Probably not. But it, it is the truth. I've had the opportunity to see boys out in the middle of a woods, 13 or 14 boys standing there crying and speaking in tongues. I've had other things to happen with boys that it had to be the grace of God that brought me back in, give me a second chance because I turned my back on him. He gave me a second chance and he gave, it, he gave me children. Do you understand the importance of that? that God would give me the life of children to work with. Some, ma uh, some of the major pa pastors in some churches never get the opportunity to go in and work with the boys because they are busy taking care of the adults in the church. So I took that seriously. When the pastor told me to get educated in the, uh, the ministry that I was in, I start looking. One of the things I realize, there is a, a, a medal that they can uh, earn. It's called the Gold Medal of Achievement. It's sort of like uh, the, it, in the Scouts, the Boy Scouts, uh, they have a, 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 one of their, a, a, I'd say it's a plan to get the very best you can get is the Order of the Arrow. You have to go through, a boy has to go through four phases of his life, and he has to get all of these uh, different merits and awards to be able to get the gold medal of achievement. I'm going to stand before these boys, and I'm going to tell them, continue to work to get your gold medal of achievement. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Cliff, what are you doing? How can you stand before these boys and tell them they should do this. And what are you doing for yourself to be able to teach these boys 
about Jesus Christ. In 45 years, I've studied in 14 states on the East Coast. I either went to learn what they were teaching, then come back and be on the staff of what they were teaching, so I could better work in the lo for the Lord and, and, and spread the news of Jesus Christ. Not long ago, I was awarded. I didn't know nothing about it, but the higher in the, in the echelon, you might say, I was called forward, and they called me and Robert Ballard. They say, we want to give you an award. Uh, okay. We have what we call the Robert Ballard Cliff Jewel Legacy Award. Ha! <laughs> Think that won't touch your heart. But what really touched my heart was Robert Ballard. When they give him a chance to talk about it, he said to me, Cliff, I remember the hamburgers. Now let me tell you, when we would go, when the, when the group would go, Robert and Lee Ballard was always on the bus because the church paid, uh, it was like a scholarship for the two boys. When we would pull into McDonald's or Burger King or someplace like that, I don't have to tell you to guess who. Guess who were the two boys that stayed on the bus? Robert and Lee because they didn't have no money. I did not want to do it in front of the other boys. So I would sit there in the driver's seat. Hey, Robert, daggone, I feel hungry. I, I, I want a hamburger and a fry and a cook. Here's a 20. Go get me that and get what you or Lee want to eat. I wanted them to be able to have also. Somewhere along the line, Robert never forgot that. And Robert mentioned it to me when he received this Legacy Award. I have, and I still call Robert. Robert has worked his way through the program. He works in a church. He's never been married. <laughs> and uh, he, he knows the Ranger program like the back of his hand. And he's still working for the Lord. When you think about that, if you have the, if you have the possibility to work with kids, Kids are so, so super. And, and they tell you the truth, too. They'll let you know. <laughs> so I've had situations where uh, the uh, men would come to me and say, I can't handle him. What's wrong? What's wrong? They said, well, he just won't listen. I'd say, well, leave him with me. Go about your business with the other kids and leave him with me. And I'd, I'd look down to him. One of the things you've got to realize, and I'm going to do this, because my wife, uh, I worked under her leadership. I wanted people to see that I could, I could work on a, under my wife's leadership. And I worked with her. She worked for about 20 years in the program. But she would go in. We had, she had about 25 boys in class. She would go in when we got ready after devotions. She would say, all right, give me a hug. And them little rascals would give her a hug. And when I got said, give me a hug, shoo, gone. 
how am I going to overcome this? Do you realize that children, most children, and uh, they were seven, uh, th five to seven as well, I can remember. Do you realize they spend most of their young life looking up? So the next Wednesday night, I did this. I got down on my knees. And when they come through that door, I said, give me a high five. Every one of them give me a high five. And from that day on, that's how I got to get really close to these kids, these boys. Sometimes in leadership, you have to get down to the kids' height to work with them. You got to let them know. Working with teenagers, you got to let them know that you are concerned about their welfare. I used to tell that when I became a chaplain, they could, the church come to me and asked me to be a chaplain. Some nights there would be a hundred and some boys there, leaders and boys. And, and I, would tell, I would tell the men, that were the coordinators in the classroom, do not let a boy leave this classroom what, without asking him if he has Jesus in his heart. I couldn't, I would not be able to bear with it. If a child left the classroom where I was teaching about Jesus and they got killed going home and they never accept Jesus Christ in their life, I would almost think God would say, I put you in a place to work with these children, but yet you let Jimmy leave that church without asking him if he had Jesus Christ in his heart. I with the Holy Spirit that dwells within me, I believe 100% if you're going to work for the Lord, give it your best shot. So, and, but it is the Holy Spirit that guided me, directed me, and given me the ability to do all this. If you look now, we're going to get to the, I'm finalizing, coming down. And this is one of the things, you can ask Josh. I've been to him, I ask him questions. I ask him pretty, some pretty deep questions about the word. Oh, let me again throw in, uh, throw in a, a pancake here. Uh, <laughs> the reason why I come to the pancake breakfast is I know that there are some very smart people that are there on a, on a Friday morning. And when we're, uh, when we're discussing the scriptures, they will put in some information. Not long ago, on, on, on the pancake breakfast, there was something in my 45 years of serving the Lord I did not know. Josh brought it out. To me, that was worth, you know, how many pancake breakfasts? <laughs> I, I, enjoy, I enjoy being around people who are much wiser than I am. Don't forget, I dropped out of high school when I was a, 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 a uh, yeah, junior. I dropped out, and, uh, and I went my way. So here, here God is allowing me to work into his ministry and preach the word of God with limited education. But then again, he helped me. The Holy Spirit helped me to get to the point. We're going to go to, uh, now we're going to go to Second Kings. In 2 Kings, in, uh, 
first of all, let me tell you that uh, I ask your questions. Um, how many of you have ever heard of the Hansen disease? Anybody at all can say, I've heard of the Hansen disease. Neither had, neither had I until I start looking in. In 2 Kings, it talks about Samaria. And Samaria, how many times have we in the, heard people talk about Samaria? And I asked, and then I went in there and I looked at what it said, and man, did it ever open doors to me. I have spent the last three weeks, I reckon, reading the Word of God and getting, reading uh, everything I could read about Samaria. Have you ever heard of the well of Jacob? Some people have. I did not know what it meant about the well of Jacob until I went and studied and learned what it is. The well of Jacob is still on this earth and it still produces water and you can still see it. Now think about that one. That is really years back. So I went and found out where Samaria was. I went to First Kings to find out where Samaria was. And I read about Samaria over and over and over again. Well, Samaria, if you remember, Jesus at the well. Jesus was at the well, and the Samaritan woman come up, and uh, uh, she says, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm a Samaritan. Well, it just so happens that she was there for a purpose. I looked into how, how deep the well of Jacob is. The well of Jacob is 135 feet. Imagine that. This was hand dug. This was hand dug with no light and people probably with ropes around them. They had to go down a hundred and some feet, dig up the dirt, get the dirt back out of the water. Not only that, on the sides of the well, it had to be encompassed with some kind of rock to keep it from caving in. They pumped it out, I think it was in 1935, and they said it was 138 foot deep. So anyway, we go to Second, uh, in, uh, second Kings, and, and basically speaking, it's chapter 7 and 19th verse. And it tells about Samaria at the time was going through a famine and there was an army outside of Samaria that was keeping anybody from going inside or anybody from going outside. So they were starving to death. Literally speaking, if you read in the scriptures, you're going to find out that there were people literally eating children's bodies. That's how bad it was. There were four leopards outside the gate. Leprosy. When I said the Hansen disease, it's leprosy. A guy from uh, Norway who was an eighth of 15 children went to school, and that's what he, he really, uh, he really, really, really studied leprosy. So, there, it says here, that there are four million people in the world that have leprosy and 200,000 new uh, people getting it. And some of it is not really hard, hard, but some of it is really bad. 
There, and here is the point I want to get across. There were four leopards outside of Samaria. Think about inside of Samaria, there's hardly no food. Food. How were these men being fed? There was somebody inside of Samaria that had a just said, let's let's drop down some let's drop down some crumbs. Let's drop down some bones that they can chew on. Let's give these men something. Because they couldn't come in. They could not come into where if there was food, and if you read in there in Second Kings, you will find out about uh what was going on. And one of, and now I'm gonna give these efforts a name. They didn't, the Bible doesn't give them a name. Josh, Jeremy, Cliff, and Paul. I'm giving them a name. And I said to myself when I seen this, now I want you to think really deep about this. Here is four men that nobody hardly wants to be around who are starving to death. And one of them, which one was it, Josh? Said, man, we're sitting here. I'm hungry. We don't have no food. We're going to die here. Let's go over to the camp that has surrounded us. He said, what are they going to do? If they kill us, we're going to die here anyhow. If they kill us, so be it. So they took it upon themselves to leave the camp. No matter what, they left the camp. And during the time that they left the camp, God created a noise that caused all of these soldiers to disappear. And when the four people got there, uh, Josh, Jim, and so forth, got there, they come up on the spoils of the army that had fled away from there, and they come up getting gold and silver and food. There was donkeys there. There was mules there. All of the stuff that was left behind because what God did, he caused them to be so afraid that they left everything and went. After they had did a double dip, you might say, into the tents getting gold and silver and stuff, they were getting ready to leave. And one of them, one of them said, let's do the right thing. In finalizing this message this morning, bear with me a few more minutes. What caused that one leper to say, give me, let's, let's do the right thing. So they went back and they told, they didn't have to. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit come upon them. It doesn't say they had, to be, they had been trained to, but they, they could have taken that money and taken a chance that they never got caught and lived a really good life. But they didn't. Let's do what's right. So I want to say to you who are sitting in here, 
there are probably some people in here that the Holy Spirit has talked to and spoke to and you have just hesitated you have hesitated to take that first step I'm not sure it's a Holy Spirit maybe it's just me feeling this way and I say to it's not many young people in here but I say listen to this God can use young people to spread his word just as well as he can use you and me. Matter of fact, if we can get the children to spread God's word, there would probably be another revival in this country. I believe that. So I want to challenge you, if you have any inkling that God is working through you, the Holy Spirit is working through you, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Do it. Take that one step. And I, yeah, one of the ladies that come to this church, uh, uh, I really, I really enjoy her. When I come, when I come here, I see her. She is so bubbling full of joy, and she's always got her hands up. Amen. Preach it. So forth. You, you, most of you probably know who I'm talking about. She's not in here today, but she's at church, probably working with the children. God bless her, because we've been in the nursery before in our life. So, but if I ever got upon a cross, do not be afraid to step out. The Holy Spirit has, there's two times in my life, the Holy Spirit has told me to do something. I didn't follow through on one time, and that was a healing process of touching a man, a pastor's throat seven times. I said, that's crazy. Ain't no way. Ain't no way, Holy Spirit. Ain't no way. I could not sleep for two weeks. I would wake up. I told you to. I told you. I told you to do it. I went to the pastor, and I told him, this is what the Holy Spirit said. I, now, it may, seem so, uh, it may seem silly, Pastor. But I got to do this. I got to get relief. And I laid my hand on the neck. He could. He he was having serious problems with his neck. He he strummed. He had a good voice. And I, I said, I got to do this. And I laid my hand where the uh, tumor was seven times. Now I can't say that it was my hand that I had the healing touch. I can't say that. But I did do what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And John Divico, later on, he went to another, uh, went to Florida to minister. He was, the last I heard, he was still strumming and, and, and singing for Jesus Christ. That is the first thing. And the next thing, uh, I was at a place where I was in a position of leadership, and they asked me, the, uh, the children come up to this one spot, and they asked me to hold on to them. They would two-way me. They were getting, a, they were getting a, uh, the center. It was the amphitheater. They were getting everything ready for us to come. Hold them there until I, I ring you, and, and then bring them down a lane into the amphitheater. So I, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So we did skits. Most of you know what a skit is. It's where somebody does something either humorous or, or it has a meaning. And they, this one, it was three or four boys come up, and they were doing memorizing the scriptures. They were doing that, hitting the buzzer with an uh, imaginary buzzer. And it was a little boy. It looked like he was about nine years old there. So 
the older boys, like John 3.16 and things like that, they were beating him out. Then finally they said, Matthew 1.1. He got it. So he started quoting the scripture of Matthew 1.1. Then it was Matthew 1.2. And then it was the first chapter of Matthew. And he went into the second chapter of Matthew. Going through there, I'm telling you, folks, you could have heard a feather drop from the clouds, and it would have sounded like a cannon going off. And in front of me, I see these kids, and a cloud covers them. I see it with my eyes. And as, as this is going on, the men were weeping. There were men on their knees crying as they seen this nine-year-old kid quote the scripture like this. My two-way went off. Cliff, bring him in. I quenched the Holy Spirit. I stopped it. What would have happened? Sometimes I get emotional that I did it. What could have happened if I did not, did not do what I did? Stop it. I had to carry that with me the rest of my life. What could have happened? Did I do the right thing? I don't know. I don't know. Evidently not, or it wouldn't bother me the way it is. A person in the church came to me one day and said, Cliff, uh, I know you guys are going away. You're taking about 60 boys down to Tennessee to Silver Dollar City. And my son is 12 years old, and he wets the bed. And I said, Sister Miller, let your son go. I was still wet in the bed when I was 12 years old, too. I got to take that boy with me down there, and he had a great time. But let me tell you what happened. We were the buddy system. He, I, got, I lost him in the crowd. And my heart almost stopped on me. This lady trusted me to take her son somewhere, and he's gotten away from me. I, I, I literally was running through the crowd, and there was somebody speaking about something. And I run up there, look, and there was Scott Miller, the kid that I was in charge of, standing there right in front of the whoever was speaking, taking in everything that was going on. So as I close the book, when the man came to my door in 1975 and knocked on it, Brother Decker, he said there is a lady named Rosie Jewell who called us and asked us to come to your house. Remember what I said, Rosie? For, for 20-some years, this woman had been praying for me. Think about that. 20 years. So if you're praying for somebody, don't give up. 20 years, she prayed for me, and God changed my life and gave me a second chance. And I've worked with thousands upon thousands of kids. I have trained kids when they were five years old, and they came back to be the pastor over me at the church. I have trained kids, and I see them on the street. Hi, 
Hi, Commander, they call me. Hi, Commander Cliff. So that is what happened to me. If that happened to me, it's not a soul in this building it can't happen to, too. In closing, of course, uh, I took all the training I could get. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be the best altar person that could be. I went for training to be able to lead people to Christ at the altar. I went for training to, to uh, stand at the door and greet people. So I wanted to learn everything I could about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm in overtime now. My wife hasn't started doing this quite yet. <laughs> so I'm going to, when I go to the altar, we are, we are told to tag the Bible, the verses we want to use. So what I did, I had uh, someone fix me this right here. It's got the scripture verses that I need. So if I'm, if I'm kneeling talking to somebody, I can open my Bible and I pull this out, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. First John uh, 1 John 1.19. 1 John yeah, 1.19. 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And then but it, uh, John 1.12, but as many received him, gave him the power... And ain't this something? Remember, we was talking about it. Do you know that I am really a son of God? And if you don't believe that, go to John 1.12. And then you have Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door. No. And, and then we have John 3.16. For, for God's a love the world. That is what I have that I share with the people at, uh, when I'm at the altar with them when they accept Jesus Christ. But what I'm going to do right now, this is a poem, and I'm almost positive it come from Billy Graham. But if it's, I don't think it is, but it would be, if it were to be one person here today that had never accepted Jesus Christ in their life, someone who doesn't know for sure that they have Jesus in their heart, I'm going to put a poem prayer up on have uh, Jeremy do it. And if you'll read it uh, and, and, and pray, pray this poem so that you know it in your heart. And if there's any questions about it, please come see me or Pastor Leo or Pastor John. Jesus, let me, let me hear it from you. You died upon the cross and rose again to save the lost. Forgive me now of all my sin. Come be my Savior, Lord, and friend. And help me, Lord, to live for you. And I would say to you as a congregation, if you read that poem and you said it and you mean it in your heart, then you are now a born-again believer and you have a new life in Christ waiting for you. Thank you so much. I went a little bit over time. But I think that uh, the Holy Spirit didn't, my wife didn't tell me to cut it. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to cut it. But I thank you so much for what, bearing with me as I share my testimony with you. I didn't get, <laughs> uh, I didn't get to hear yours. I've heard some little, but my my desire is to, 
hear that again or or more intense your testimony and John I I have never uh Josh I've never heard your testimony and I would like to every one of us has a testimony in some way shape or form and it's good to hear other Christians talk about Jesus Christ thank you so much I love you dearly and you'll be seeing my face from time to time (laughs) 